church family, you'll find John chapter 4, begin to read in verse number 46. For a few moments this morning, I will speak to you on this subject, real faith. Real faith. John chapter 4, we'll begin to read in verse number 46. I'll invite you to stand this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in John chapter 4, begin to read in verse number 46. The Bible says these words. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down. Before my child dies, Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. As he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that God, your Holy Spirit, would speak to the point of people's need today. Uh, God, I pray if there's someone here that's never been saved, really, they've never truly turned and surrender their life to Christ's Lordship. Holy Spirit, we pray you'll convict them of where they stand today, their need for Christ, their need to turn from their sin, and to experience and, 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 to, and to act upon real faith, real faith that surrenders one's life to Christ's Lordship. God, I pray for those who have experienced life in you. God, they've been impacted by the world around them, and their faith has lapsed and now god they so mistreat you in their personal walk and relationship with you as it comes to the matter of faith god i pray you'll challenge us today and god i pray every single part of our life every day will be undergirded by real biblical faith that is grounded in a right surrendered relationship to jesus christ there'll be no seeds of doubt in our hearts because we are grounded in real faith. Bless this time. Your will be done. Every heart in life is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In Matthew chapter 9, and in verse number 29, Jesus speaks words to some individuals who need physical healing. Verse 27 of Matthew 9 says this, When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy upon us. And when he had come to the house, the blind men came to him and, said to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this, that is, to heal you? And they said, Yes, Lord. Now listen to verse number 29. Then he touched their eyes, and Jesus said to them, According to your faith, let it be to you. Jesus says, According to the kind of faith that you have 
in me. Let this be done to you. And these two men, they had real faith in Jesus Christ. They surrendered their life to his lordship in that moment when they said, yes, Lord. In our text today, we're introduced to a man who had a need. This was a noble man. This was a man of, of prominence and a man of position in the society of which he lived. According to the world standards, this guy would have had no need of anything. But if everyone in here can certainly testify, my friend, money can buy you a lot of things, but it can't buy you health. And it can't buy the health of your loved ones. And this man had a great need. His son was very sick. He had a fever. His, his need went beyond, though, really, his son. Uh, if this man would have been here on a Wednesday night prayer meeting, he would have lifted his hand uh, for his son. He would want his son placed on the prayer list. But the man and his son had a greater need than the fever. And what they needed uh, was what all people need, and that's to have real faith, real saving faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice three things this morning about real faith that we see in this second sign miracle that Jesus performed. Number one, I want you to notice this morning, the preventers of real faith. The preventers, things that the devil can use to prevent real faith. Now, the nobleman had some types of faith um, that the devil had sown into his life and he'd been impacted by culture around him, but he was still willing for these different types of faith uh, to, be, to be sown into his life and to become a reality in his life spiritually. The first thing we see this morning is he had, he had a handed-down faith, a faith that had been handed down to him. Look what the Bible says again in verse number 46 of uh, Luke chapter, John chapter 4. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, just note for our text in our text this morning, it will bear out later another truth. This is about 25 miles um, at most. It, Capernaum to Cana is 17 miles to 25 miles, depending on what part of the town you start from and what part of the town you end up in. Um, but from at most, it would have been about 25 miles away. And so the man had made his way from Capernaum to Cana. Uh, was he there on business? What, what, did he hear that Jesus was coming back? We don't know, but verse number 47, he heard that Jesus, though, was in Cana, that he had come out of Judea into Cana, and he went to him, and he implored Jesus to come down and heal his son because he was at the point of death. And so the faith that he had that Jesus could heal his son uh, this, was, this was a handed-down faith. It was because of something that Jesus had already, had already accomplished. Um, you know, look at our text from last week in verse number 39. The Bible, says that many of the, the Bible says many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman. Now remember, Jesus had needs to go through Samaria. There was a woman at the well. She had come from water. And Jesus began to speak to her about spiritual needs, but she was focused on only the physical. And so she came with a water pot to the well. She left her water pot, but she went with the spiritual well, Jesus Christ. It left with her. And so she went into the towns there around where she was in Sychar, and she began to share with all those people. Look what the Bible says in verse number 39. He told me all the things that I ever, that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Now listen, and many more believed because of his own word. But now look at verse number 42. 
Then those Samaritans whom the woman had shared with, they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves now have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And so they first came to Jesus because of just what the woman had told them. And the faith that they had in Christ, what they knew about Christ, it was secondhand knowledge. It was a handed down faith. They had not personally talked with Jesus yet. They had not personally met him. Mirror the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And when Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he's not talking about secondhand faith that's been passed down from grandmother to mother and then to you, and you believe that way because that's the way mom and grandma understood the faith that Paul's writing about and the real faith that Jesus is talking about that this nobleman needs, it's a personal faith. It's a faith that one exercises as they respond to the Word of God. John chapter 3 and verse number 7, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. It was a, it was a personal need that Nicodemus had in his life spiritually to be born again. Friend, I'll submit to you, that's one of the faiths that, that really just prevails in the area in which we live. You'll dare, listen, you can't swing a dead cat in this area and hit somebody that wasn't born and raised here, that doesn't believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died on the cross, and that they need to be a good God-fearing person. And so they've got this handed-down Baptist faith. But my friend, that faith can't save you. You've got to have your own real faith, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, whereby you respond to the Word of God. And so handed down faith is a preventer to real faith because people in this area in the south, in the, western, in the mountains of western North Carolina where I grew up, they think just being affiliated with the church and coming from a long line of godly people makes you right with God. And the Bible says, friend, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, many in that day will say to me, we, we were people of faith. We went to Greenwood Baptist Church. Man, we, we were moved. When we heard the music, we were moved by the word. But he said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? They didn't have real faith. They had a handed down faith. They'd never personally respond to the word. And friend, I want to tell you, you can't ride someone else's faith to heaven. You're not going to ride your mama's skirt and you won't ride your daddy's coattails. You must be born again. You've got to have real faith. A second preventer not only is handed down faith, but heartless faith, a heartless faith. Look what the Bible says in verse number 48. So Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now listen, he's, he's already told Jesus, look, this is the need. My son is sick. I implore you, verse number 47. He's gone to him. He's imploring Jesus, come down. Literally what he was saying is this, put my boy on the prayer list. I need him on the prayer list. We need... We need prayer. We need Jesus to come down and touch my son. Now remember, he believed because of the miracles. The Bible says he had turned water to wine, and we've already established this was an alcoholic wine, uh, but he had changed water into non-alcoholic wine. The Greek word oinos can be used interchangeably to mean that which is alcoholic and that which is not. We're not going to re-go through that. But that was the miracle that had taken place, and those, so those people had saw that. 
And because they had seen that, they began to believe in Jesus, not because of his word, not because of his character, not because they wanted him to be Lord of their life, but because they saw the miracles. And this man had heard about that. They'd heard about the miracles. And so he began to speak to Jesus, and he says, I need you to come down. But notice the condemnation. Listen, verse number 48 is not a word of praise or encouragement. It's a word of chastisement. Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. What was he saying? My word's not enough. The, the, the word that John sent through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and by that, your sin. They didn't believe that. They had to see a miracle. They had to see some sign and some wonder. And it's interesting in John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, after all of this had happened, and people began to say, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're followers of Christ now. You know, again, what would have been trending would have been, you know, hashtag wedding Cana. You know, I was at the wedding. Were you at the wedding? And people have been talking, man, he turned water to wine. And so we're disciples now. Look what the Bible, can I just encourage you this morning? It really challenges me as your pastor when I say, look at your Bibles and you just sit there and stare at me. Because I want you to listen to me, friend. I can convince you of anything if you believe me and listen to me. But don't take my word for it. Look at the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so when I say look at your Bibles, I'm encouraging you, look at your Bibles, which ought to be open on your lap. And if you don't have one, get one out of the book, stand in front of you, and turn to John chapter 4. But turn over to John chapter 2 and in verse number 23, and look what Jesus says. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Not when they heard his word, but when they saw the signs that he did, they began to believe in him. But listen to what the Bible says. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. The word believed in verse number 23 and the word commit in verse number 24, they come from the same Greek word. And so what John is writing here is this. They, they believed in Jesus, but Jesus didn't believe in them. The statement they're saying was, oh, Jesus, man, we believe you. Listen, friend, he saw their hearts, and he knew that they had a heartless faith. They had not truly surrendered their life to his lordship, they just love the floor show. And so they're saying, man, there's really something to this guy. He's something. And so we believe in him. But they had not surrendered themselves to his lordship. We'll see, sadly, in a few weeks, John chapter 6. Jesus feed 5,000. Listen, he's got at least 5,000 followers are there. From a little box lunch from a little boy. And everybody's like, man, we're disciples. This is awesome. You've got a floor show. There's miracles. He feeds us. Man, we're going to follow Jesus. But listen, Jesus began to lay out what the life of a real disciple was going to look like. He said, you're going to eat my flesh and you're going to drink my blood. He was talking about spiritual things. He was saying, when you really come to me in saving faith, I'm going to become a part of your life. I will be your life. You're going to internalize me. And when he began to speak about what the life of a real disciple was, don't miss this. All those people who had heartless faith, 
They just love the signs and the wonders. The Bible says in John chapter 6 and verse number 66, from that day, many of his disciples followed him no more. So we didn't sign up for this. Why? Because they followed him with their head, not their heart. This man comes from him. He believes in Jesus, but it's not because of his word. He simply believes because of what he has seen. When Jesus began to speak in Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 8, and he spoke about these kinds of people. Listen, don't miss this. They had all kinds of great swelling words. If they would have stood and given testimony in church, they would have talked about how much they loved the Lord, how good God had been them, how much everybody needed to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is awesome, He'll change your life, you young people need to listen. You need to, you need to get in on this Jesus thing like all us older crowd are doing. And listen to what Jesus said of that kind of person that had a, a heartless faith. Verse 7, he said, hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you. These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. What's Jesus saying? He said these people, they don't have real faith. Faith is a response to the Word of God. And these people wanted the blessing, but they didn't want the blesser. They wanted the, what was on the prayer list to be answered, but they didn't want Jesus to be Lord of their life. They didn't believe with all their heart. Remember Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, listen, if you're really going to be saved, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that is the center of your will and being, friend, you surrender your heart, you believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, not the mind. These people believed that Jesus had done these miracles, but they weren't willing to surrender their heart to him. They weren't willing to surrender. They had a heartless faith. My friend, I'll submit to you, that's as rampant as a handed-down faith here in the South. Nobody wants to die and go to hell, and nobody wants their loved one to suffer. But the question is this, friend, do you really want God's will to be done in your life through the personal saving relationship that you have with Him because you've responded to His Word and you've surrendered your life to Him? Jesus looked at this man. He had a preventer to real faith. It was heartless faith. I'll tell you another preventer. It's help me faith. It goes a step beyond heartless faith. Look what the Bible says in verse number 49 of our text in John 4. So Jesus speaks to him and says, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And so the nobleman responded to him. And listen, friend, it's emphatic in the original language. He said, Sir, come down before my child dies. I don't want to hear your Bible lesson. Fix my boy. He looked at Jesus, friend, and that, listen, I'm a nobleman. When I speak, people jump. Jesus, fix him. He says, you go. That's what he said. It was, it was a help me faith. And friend, I want to say, listen, there's nothing wrong. And it is right. It just shows love and concern. When you've got a family member that's sick, you, you need prayer. You need to have them on the prayer list. We need to be praying for one another. But the matter is what really is coming from the heart. Do you just want God to help you, or do you really want God's will to be done? 
Because that flows out of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. This guy didn't want Jesus to be Lord of his life. He wanted Jesus to fix what was wrong. So Jesus really begins to talk to him about the greater need. Friend, that's been one of my burdens as a pastor since I've been in ministry. On Wednesday nights, again, listen, if I'm sick, my kids are sick, I'm going to put them on the prayer list. But friend, I'm telling you, we spend more time trying to pray, save people out of heaven than we do sinners out of hell. The majority of the prayer requests we hear are always, friend, about body parts and illnesses, not about souls that need to be saved. Where's the brokenness? Where's the real need? This man just had to help me. He saw Jesus as somebody that existed to fix his problems. And I'm telling you, that is what is being pushed and preached and taught in the fallen away church in which we're living today. Jesus exists to keep me happy. Friend, listen, Jesus came not so I would be happy, but so I could be holy through his shed blood and righteousness. Help me, faith. That's the only reason he's there. I love this. He tells Jesus, you come down. Look at verse 50. Jesus says, you go your way. God's always going to have the last word. He says, you come. Jesus says, you go. He said to him, go your way for your son lives. He tells Jesus his will in verse number 49. Jesus tells him his will. So the man's got a choice. Now remember, real faith is a response to the word of God. So now this man's got a decision he's got to make. Continue to barter and to tell? Or do I simply respond? Jesus said to him, go your way. He said, your son lives. Your son lives. Matthew 6, says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. What, what was Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 6? The first decision and the primary responsibility of man as it relates to God, friend, is to, is to repent of sin and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. Then Christ's righteousness, the Bible says, is imputed to us. Thanks be to God, friend, when he looks at the person who's responded to God's grace and has experienced God's mercy, God doesn't see the sinner that we are. He only sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. He says, when that's what you seek first, daily, continue, a right relationship with me, he says, I'll take care of all the other things. Doesn't mean that we don't need to pray about them and ask them. We do need to do that. It shows through prayer, it shows our dependence upon Him. But our primary concern, friend, is a heart surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not a help me faith, but a surrendered faith. We surrendered our will to His. So that surrender to and trust in God's will, it it, it defines who we are. In no way has He surrendered His life to Jesus when He makes this demand. He just wants Jesus to fix the problem. My friend, I can't tell you how many people I've ministered to, and if you've lived on mission, you have to. They've got problems galore, and they want God to fix it. But when you talk about them surrendering their life to Christ's lordship, they don't want to talk to you about that. They only want their wagon out of the ditch. That is a help me faith. Those are preventers to real faith. Second, I want you to notice the process of real faith. The process of real faith. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
this man's got a decision to make. Now, Jesus has said, go your way. And then he made a promise. Your child lives. He's given him instruction, and he's told him an emphatic truth. And this man's got a decision whether he's going to have real faith and respond to the Word of God or continue on in all of these preventers. So this guy goes from being overcome by all these preventers to real faith to possessing real faith. All these preventers marked his life, and now, friend, he's going to push all those away, and he's going to experience real faith, which is a response to the Word of God. I want you to notice the process. First off, he heard the Word. Again, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word. Jesus spoke to him. Faith is a response to God's Word. Look at verse number 50 again. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. Your son lives. And so he turned from his plan, and he responded to the Word of God. Faith is a response to God's Word. But friend, you can't respond to what you don't know. And that's why so many who have been saved, who have responded to God's Word, they never grow as disciples. Listen, your faith exercise is not just in responding to God's grace, the, the, the plan of salvation to be saved, but to continue to be like Jesus Christ and to grow like Christ, friend, is a daily response to God's Word. And you can't respond to, you can't obey what you don't know. That's one of the purposes of discipleship, not just to reach people, but also to teach people. Teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. But part of that responsibility bears on me. Daily, I, as a disciple, I've got through discipline and dedication, I've got to set aside time each day to open God's Word and to get God's Word inside of me. And the way I do that is through study and meditation and prayer. And then the Holy Spirit empowers me, uh, Philippians 4, 13, to be a doer of the Word. But you can't obey what you don't know. Friend, I realize our country and especially in these days, is just blessing and rewarding laziness. But God never will. He won't do it. You're never going to be who God desires you to be, except apart from discipline and dedication to study God's Word, to know it, to stow it, to show it, and then to sow it. It takes discipline. It takes dedication. He heard the Word. How many of you have somebody today that's burdening your heart that you know is lost? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, well, part of you did. Part of you didn't raise your hand. I hope everybody's burdened in some way for somebody that's lost. Everybody knows somebody that's lost. If you don't, you're not living on mission. Here's the question. Have you told them what the Bible says it takes to be saved yet? Because real faith is a response to the Word of God. Real faith is a response to the Word of God. He, he heard the Word. And secondly, notice the next part of the process. He humbled himself to the Word. He humbled himself. Verse number 49, man, he's telling Jesus how it is. No, sir, you come down. Listen, I don't have time for these games. I've got a problem. My boy's sick. You come down and do this little miracle thing you do, okay? Do the little miracle thing and fix my boy. Well, he's all arrogant and puffy, man, because he's, he's somebody in society. Friend, I want to remind you. All men are the same in God's eyes. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. God's not impressed by how much you've got and what everybody thinks about you or how many followers you've got in the day in which we're living. He's not impressed by any of that. 
When he sees us, the only thing that makes a difference is whether the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to our life as we've repented and received him to be Lord of our life. So now he's not haughty anymore. He's humbled himself. Look what the Bible says in verse number 50. Jesus said to him, go your way. And the Bible says, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke. Now he's not given words. He's humbled himself and he's received the word. Again, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Now, now he's humbled himself, and the Bible says in verse number 50, he believes the word. Jesus says, go your way, your son lives. Why would he leave from the presence of Christ and begin to make his way to where his son is? Because Jesus said he lives. And he believed in that. Why would anyone choose, who the Holy Spirit is convicted of their lostness, to believe that trusting Christ to be Lord of your life, turning from sin and self, trusting Jesus, believing he died, he rose again, can save you from sin's penalty? How, how, how can one do that? Because they exercise real faith. They exercise real faith. There's nothing we can see. It's just real faith we exercise in the Word of God that God will do what He says. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever. And we believe that. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. How can someone rest in that and believe that God has done it because God said it and they exercise real faith? We humble ourselves to his word. We humble ourselves. He did. He went on his way. He turned from his plan, don't miss this, and he humbled himself to Christ's plan. Do you see that? His plan was, sir, you come down. Jesus says, you go your way. Now, he's a smart man. He's, man he, he calls shots. People jump. And move when he speaks. Jesus says, no, sir, you go your way. He's got a choice to make. I want to tell you something. You're here this morning. You've never been saved. You can continue on in the good Baptist doctrine. And just think that, you know, being, saved, being uh, good is enough. Being a member of a church is enough. Do enough good and somehow when you get to heaven, the good's going to outweigh the bad. Now, I want to tell you on 30 God's Word where that's going to lead you. To a place called hell. Now, you can choose to continue on with popular thought here in the South. Or, my friend, you can respond to the plan of salvation, which says, repent of your sin, Luke 13, 3, and Romans 10, 9, and 10, by faith, real faith, confess Jesus to be Lord of your life. And when you do that, friend, you will be saved. But you've got to humble yourself. You've got to humble yourself. And he did. He humbled himself to the Word. Third notice, he hastened to obey the word. The Bible says in verse number 50, he believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. He didn't stick around. He didn't keep nagging Jesus to death. He didn't keep saying, well, now, are you sure? Are you sure? Now, I don't, no, I need some assurances. Now, listen, God, I need, I'm going to lay the fleece out. Huh? Yeah, we hear that all the time, right? Well, lay the flea. God, I need a sign. Now, Jesus, if you're really going to do this, I need a sign. Well, what did Jesus just said? Unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. Well, he didn't do that. He hastened to obey the word. 
He, listen, one of the evidences of real faith will always be obedience. Always be obedience. It's not that obedience brings about real faith. It's an evidence of real faith. Listen to what the Bible says in, in James chapter 2 and verse number 26. James chapter 2 and verse number 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. What James is saying is this. If someone really has real faith in the word of God, they're going to obey the word of God. You don't have real faith as a result of obeying the word of God, but because you've exercised real faith in the plan of salvation, because Christ lives in your heart, friend, the natural outflow is, one of the fruits is, you're going to be a doer of God's word. No one's going to have to shame you into it. It's, it's going to be an evidence. He hastened to obey the word of God. And notice also, friend, this process, he held fast to the word. He held fast to it. Now, look what the Bible says again in verse number 51. Now, as he was going down, so he went his way, and as he was going down to Capernaum, where his son was, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And, well, you know, we're not able really to tell just at this verse yet. It, maybe he ran. Maybe he got on a chariot. Maybe he jumped on a, a horse and, you know, began to head that way. But notice what the Bible says in verse number 52. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Now notice this. When Jesus said, Your son lives, he believed that word, he humbled himself to that word, and he held fast to that word. What's, what's significant about the fact that it's the next day? Friend, listen, if, his, if he was really doubtful, he would have rushed back to where his boy was to check on him. He stayed in town for the night. He didn't rush back. It's the next day and he's just getting home. How is that possible? Because Jesus said your son lives. He believed the word of Christ and he held fast to the word of Christ. It influenced those who were around him. Friend, I'm telling you, the day in which we're, the, the majority of the people that seem to be breathing in paper bags and acting like God's dead are not the lost world. It's those that name the name of Christ. Now, I know we're living in difficult days. I know it seems like the sky is falling, but my friend, it ought to be the people of God that evidence that we've got faith in God. That he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. What he, what he has said he will accomplish, he will do, and he said he'll come back for his church, and we're going to serve faithfully until he comes and occupy. And just hold fast to the Word of God. No wavering, no doubt. Friend, that's real faith. That's real faith. He's heard, he's humbled, he has hastened, and he's held fast. He's held fast. Friend, I'm telling you, that's the real faith the lost and dying world needs to see in us in these days. Why does the lost world say the church is full of hypocrites? Because there are people that name the name of Christ, but they're not doers of the Word of God. They're not doers. One day, again, it's not doing to be saved, but it's because you have repented, because you've exercised real faith. You're going to be a doer of God's Word. Nobody's got to shame you. Deacons don't have to come visit you. You know, we don't have to write letters. You, just, you want to be a doer of God's Word because you have a real loving relationship with Him. A real loving relationship with Him. So that's, that's real faith. 
That's real faith. Now, third, notice this, the purpose of real faith. The purpose of real faith. I love this. Verse 51 says, so he's, he's going down. His servants met him. They told him, saying, your son lives. Uh, he inquired of the hour when it happened. They said, well, it was yesterday, the seventh hour. He's, he's tarried. He didn't hurt, hurry home because he, he knew Jesus was going to do what Jesus said he was going to do because he had real faith in the word of God. He had, he had real faith. So the father knew, verse 53, it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said, your son lives. Now listen to what the Bible says. And he himself believed and his whole household. You say, I thought you said he'd believed before. Well, he did. The Bible's just saying, though, friend, that he, is, he believed, but not only just him, it was his whole household now that's believed. Now, we haven't gotten to it yet, but I shared it with you when we began the book of John. John chapter 20 and verse number 30 John shared the, the, one of the, the helps of all of the miracles. The Bible says, And truly Jesus did many, many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But listen to verse 31 of John chapter 20. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, and we're talking about believing, it's the same word that we, we looked at in John chapter 3. It's, it's a heart surrender to Christ's lordship, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now, I want you to listen to me. If all that would have happened to that boy in Capernaum, the nobleman's son, listen to me, was that he had been healed from his fever, he'd still die and go to hell one day. And that fever, my friend, would have sent, felt like a cool bath compared to one second in hell. And that's why I challenge you and I encourage you and I say things. And some of you seem frustrated when I say it sometimes, and I don't understand that. When we talk about prayer requests, they'll like, you know, we'll ask for, for my neighbor so-and-so that's sick, and they'll ask a question, well, are they saved? And you almost seem like a little, taken back, a little frustrated. What's that got to do with it? Friend, it's got everything to do with it. So let's say, you know, your, your neighbor's gizzard, you know, is enlarged. And let's say God in his mercy and grace touches their gizzard and it's not enlarged anymore. Well, wonderful, man. They've got a healthy gizzard for the rest of their life till they die and spend eternity in a place called hell. Do you see the seriousness of that? What's the purpose of real faith? Not just to get our will accomplished in our life. The purpose of real faith is to bring us into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ where our sins have been paid for, they're done away with, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to our lives. Now we're able to have the mind of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and we're able, friend, to live a life that's pleasing unto Him. And then one of these days when we die, and we will, I don't care how healthy you are and how good you feel today, friend, by graver air, friend, you're stepping into eternity one day. When you die, what determines where you spend eternity is not where you went to church. It's not how religious you were. It's not, you know, what, what wonders of grandeur you thought about God and Jesus. Whether you think, you know, I believed he was the Son of God. The book of James says, so does every demon in hell. What matters is whether you ever exercise real faith. And surrendered your life to Christ's lordship. That's what separates lost people and saved people in eternity. And so that was the purpose. That was the greater need. Man, the Bible indicates here he went back. 
his son as well, and he began to talk to them. He says, man, let me tell you who I met yesterday. Let me tell you why you're well. I met the master. I met Jesus. All those Old Testament stories, it's true, friend, I met him. I surrendered my life to his lordship. Now, who in the house? Son, you want to do that? Uh, Mama, you want to do that? What about you workers? You want to, I'm inviting everybody to turn your life over. He'll, he changed my life. He'll change yours. That's the purpose of saving faith. The whole family gave their lives to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. So I'm asking you this morning, this friend, listen, I want everybody to look at me. Not have you ever become a member of this church or a church. Not have you ever been baptized. Not have you ever, you know, prayed a prayer that someone's led you to pray in. And I'm going to do one in a minute. But has there ever been a moment where the Spirit of God convicted you of your lostness, drew you to His side, when someone shared with you the truth of God's Word, that God loves you, He sent Christ to die in your place, Christ died, He rose again, He ascended to heaven, and that if you'll choose to turn from all your sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life and exercise real saving faith, surrendering your life to His Lordship, you will be saved. Has there ever been a moment where you've done that? Not where you've become religious, but has there ever been a moment where you've really responded to the gospel with real faith? Real faith. Friend, I don't share this to scare you. I'm telling you on the authority of God's word. Jesus says, I'm, I'm more burdened by it every day that I minister in the South. Listen to me. Jesus says in Matthew 7, many in that day, many, at the great white throne, when hell is turned upside down like a garbage can, will stand one by one and look in the holy face of Christ and say, I, I did all these religious things. I was a member of a church. I, I mean, I was a good southern Christian. I know you. Jesus says, Matthew 7, Jesus says, I didn't say this. Jesus says this. I will look at those individuals who never had real saving faith. And I'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. My friend, it's real. It's real. What separates an eternity where people go heaven and hell is real faith. Real faith. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. No one's packing up. No one's checking out mentally. I ask you right now. Do you have real faith? Real faith. Have you ever come to a place truly where God has convicted you of your lostness? You surrendered your life as you turned from sin to Jesus Christ and you trusted him to be Lord of you. Have you ever done that? Friend, if you haven't, do like this man did and choose to humble yourself today to turn and receive Jesus to be Lord over every area of of your life. And my friend, he promises in his word, just like he told that man, your son lives, he promises he will save you. Doesn't matter how far in sin's bucket you've fallen, friend, he will take you and clean you and make you into a new creature. But you've got to choose to trust him to be Lord of your life. If you've never done it, friend, listen to me. These words aren't going to save you that you have the opportunity to pray. These words will only 
save you. Jesus will only save you if these words truly reflect your heart. Truly reflect what your heart wills to do today. If your heart wills to turn and trust Christ, tell him so. Just like this. Make it your own prayer, but you can pray this, friend, straight from your heart. Tell him today, God, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin. I believe. I believe with real with my heart. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again. And I'm choosing to humble myself as I turn from sin to you. And I trust you to be Lord of my life. Not just to get me out of hell, but I lay my life at your feet. Be Lord over me. You said you would save me. And I believe that you've saved me. I take you at your word. Now make me into the man or woman you want me to be. And in these next moments, help me to be brave. Help me to be courageous and be bold. And to make this decision public today. You said that if I would confess you in front of men, you would confess me one day in front of your Father. Help me to be bold to do that. Heads your bowed, eyes are closed. Did you trust Him today? Did you exercise real faith and trust Christ to be Lord of your life? I'm going to stand here at the front in just a moment. I want to invite you to make your way to the front so I can encourage you. As a disciple, I wonder if there are, you're sailing stormy seas today. The Bible never promises, friend, that when we come to Christ, we'll not have challenges, adversity. Matter of fact, the Bible promises that you will. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. You're going to have challenges, adversity in your life. Are you tossed today by doubt? See, I've exercised real faith. I've been saved. But are you still clinging to those promises? Remember, faith, real faith is a response to God's Word. He's promised in Hebrews 13, 5, he himself has said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Are you clinging to that truth today still with real faith? The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Are you holding fast to that today? Do you believe it? Do you believe Romans 8, 28? Where through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Do you believe that? That even though it's challenging and water's in your boat, by faith, real faith, do you believe God's going to work it out? Romans 8, 29 says the purpose is He's going to make us like Jesus through all of it. Father, I pray You'll strengthen our faith. These are challenging days. God, I know just as pastor of this church, there are individuals scattered throughout this auditorium. They're going through adverse hardship right now. Family members are sick, challenges in relationships, difficulties on the job. Paul, it's just a hard day to stand for Christ. It is so dark. Well, God, I pray you'll strengthen our faith. I pray daily, Lord, we'll continue to cling to you, to cling to your word. And God, you'll help us to finish strong with the real faith that led us to a place, God, that you washed our sins away and wrote our names down in the Lamb's book of life. God, whatever you're leading men or women to do. God, you may be leading a family. This is the church family they need to link their life with. I pray they'll come however this church receives members. Speak your will to us. And God, I pray we'll respond today with real faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverently stand at our feet.